The gospel lesson today comes from the gospel according to Mark, the ninth chapter, and beginning beginning at the verse number two. This is Mark's account of the story of the transfiguration. Hear the word of God. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked Around they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. There is something about life on the other side of the transfiguration that ought to strike a chord with those who would follow Jesus. The transfiguration, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to a high mountain. And up on the mountaintop, the appearance of Jesus changes right before their eyes. Mark only mentions his garments glistening in white. Matthew adds that his face shone like the sun, as if the glow wasn't enough. Moses and Elijah mysteriously appear. Up on the mountaintop, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus are talking to one another like old friends, but with heaven's spotlight shining on them. Though Mark gives no commentary on the countenance of the Old Testament folk, their appearance must have no comparison to that of Jesus. Up on the mountaintop, Jesus is transfigured. It's interesting how many English translations of the Bible stick with the word transfigured. Yes, some use the verb transformed, Others simply say, change. But most English versions of the Bible just leave it as transfigured. A cognate of the Greek noun transfiguration is metamorphosis. The Apostle Paul uses the same word in a familiar verse from Romans, the 12th chapter. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Transformed. I couldn't find any version of the Bible, any translation of Romans that uses the word transfigured. 
It is as if only up on the mountaintop he was transfigured before them. Perhaps generations of New Testament scholars and translations committees have stuck with transfiguration to highlight and preserve this strange old world of the Bible moment in the story of Jesus and his disciples. Maybe maybe sticking with transfiguration is a signal to preachers that not all biblical texts can be clipped, lifted, and easily explained for the 21st century ear. Sometimes the gospel just invites the 21st century reader to sit in the strange old ancient world of the Bible for a while. Like the disciples, contemporary readers of the gospel are never going to fully wrap their minds around Jesus, Moses, and Elijah up on the mountaintop. And somehow amid the other divine worldliness of the moment, and despite being terrified, Peter acknowledges that it is good for us to be here. And maybe with some mix of wanting to provide hospitality and hoping to preserve the moment, Peter offers to build three dwellings. But the mountaintop doesn't last long. Not long at all. Mountaintops never do. The cloud comes, the voice booms, and then there was only Jesus heading down from the mountaintop. There's something about life on the other side of the transfiguration that ought to strike a chord with those who would follow Jesus. As mystical and mythical and bible as the mountaintop experience of transfiguration reads. There's something about life with the disciples and Jesus on the downside of the mountain that seems more relatable. On the way down from the mountaintop, on the way down from the mountaintop, as the disciples seek to understand what has just happened, together with Jesus, they start talking about the things the scribes said about Elijah and Elijah's coming again. And all this talk about the suffering of the Son of Man and what on earth rising from the dead could mean. On the way down from the mountaintop, Jesus and the disciples are greeted again by the crowds of humanity. People arguing and lots of sickness and suffering. Down from the mountaintop, Jesus tells them again about his own death and resurrection. And down from the mountaintop, the disciples start to bicker among themselves about which one was the greatest. Down from the mountaintop, Jesus tells the disciples, whoever is not against us is for us. And he warns them about being a stumbling block to those who would believe in him. Down from the mountaintop, for Jesus and the disciples, life happens. Gospel teaching happens. Ministry happens people happen. It is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For though we may be invited again and again into the strange old world of the Bible, we are always sent out into the 21st century world as servants and disciples of the Savior. Sent out to live our faith where life happens, 
Teaching happens, ministry happens, and people happen. Often caught up in our own arguments and attempts to understand both the gospel and the world in which we live in, yet sent out by Christ himself, not with a divine glow, but with what the preacher in the book of Hebrews describes as drooping hands and weak knees. Sent out to life on the downside with the promise of the prophet Isaiah that those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The life of faith on the other side of the mountaintop is not defined by struggle, doubt, pessimism, or fear. Quite the contrary. It is about the life of discipleship to which we've been called. The life of discipleship where sleeves are rolled up and shoes are worn down because we are called to be the hands and feet of Christ in and for the world. Where our clothes are not dazzling white but are worn in the knees as we heed, as we heed the Apostle Paul's call to rejoice in hope and be patient in tribulation and constant in prayer. An everyday journey with Christ Jesus. That is less about getting questions answered and more about a life-giving servanthood, a radical concern for others, a theology of stewardship that shatters the love of money and smashes the idolatrous search for what's in it for me, a life in Christ in your neck of the world where instances of forgiveness are multiplied to the nth degree and long-established walls are busted by daring reconciliation and the people most different from you are viewed and understood and loved through the lens of Christ himself. Some are blessed to have more than their share of mountaintops along the way. But for the rest of us, for most of us, our walk with God is usually somewhere on the way down from the mountaintop on the other side of the transfiguration. In Matthew's telling of the transfiguration, after the disciples fell to the ground in fear as the voice from the clouds spoke, Jesus comes over to the disciples, touches them and says, get up and do not be afraid. Mark's Jesus doesn't approach, touch, or speak to the disciples on the mountaintop. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore but Jesus. Right then, the trek down the mountain begins just as suddenly as it all started. It could be that the gospel known for its brevity just doesn't have the space for do not be afraid. Or maybe Jesus in Mark is just eager to take the disciples to the other side, to the downside. Perhaps the children of God, the followers of Jesus, are to be amazed, wowed, overwhelmed by grace and filled with praise and adoration on mountaintops. But somewhere down from the mountaintop is where disciples are sent. Somewhere down from the mountaintop is where disciples are formed shaped, molded into the life Christ calls us. 
somewhere down from the mountaintop. Lost a page. But thankfully, about two years after 38, I started numbering them. I've been reading a new book by Cornelius Plantinga, author, author and former president of Calvin Seminary in Grand Rapids. And the title of the book is Gratitude, Why Giving Thanks is the Key to Our Well-Being. Gratitude. It's much more of a devotional book than it is a self-help one. And at the end of the book, Dr. Plantinga writes about how Jesus calls his disciples to live life with a purpose. To live so as to glorify God and enjoy God forever, as the Westminster Confession puts it. Or as Jesus puts it in Matthew, strive first for the kingdom of God. Plantinga describes it as living life with a calling and pursuing it with an energy that comes from the very spirit of God. Living life with a calling and pursuing it with an energy that comes from the very Spirit of God, and then he finishes by describing that life. People who have been penetrated by the Spirit of God so that they are redeemed all the way downtown in their hearts, he writes. They love God. They love their neighbors. Even when they don't like their neighbors, they love them by treating them well. They hunger for justice. They read scripture with an appetite and ponder it with respect. They hate cruelty and join efforts to oppose it. They love kindness and support groups that show it. They show that God's kingdom project is to make things right in the world, and they want to be a part of that project. As I finished my friend's book, I found myself struck I promise you, struck in a good way, but how, how unprofound the conclusion sounds. How ordinary, how doable, how attainable the Christian life can be. Because Plantinga is not writing from the prophet's mountaintop. He doesn't end with some kind of never-thought-of revelation that has its own stunning aura of newness clothed in glitz. And to be honest, neither does the book lead with that timeless, essential, bold, death-conquering, world-shattering acclamation that Christ is risen. No. Plantinga writes as a doctor of the church who spent a lifetime watching students, saints, and sinners, the disciples of Jesus, striving to lead the Christian life. He isn't writing about the mountaintops. No, gratitude comes on the other side of the transfiguration, too. He's writing about life on the downside where life happens, teaching happens, ministry happens, and people happen. Somewhere down from the mountaintop is where disciples are formed, shaped, and molded into the life Christ calls us. Years ago, 
a pastoral search committee from another congregation came here to Nassau Church to listen to me preach. And there were some members of my own search committee that spent years going to other congregations on Sunday mornings. They had gone to other congregations on Sunday mornings to listen to people, candidates, preach. It's a lot easier now with live stream. But some members of my own search committee were very suspicious that all these folks who sat out there together, they stuck out. Now, it was more than 15 years ago, so they had nothing to worry about. At one point over lunch that day in an undisclosed location, the chair of that committee explained the reason their pastor left after only four years. The chair wanted to make sure I didn't think the church was in conflict or crisis. Our pastor, I was told, shared with our session that after four years, the pastor was feeling bored, needed a new challenge, wanted something new. Now, I have friends all around who accept a call in another congregation for all kinds of reasons and within all kinds of time frames. No judgment here. You know, in 38 years, I've served two congregations. And I've had students and colleagues over the years ask about whether I'm bored or how do I find new challenges. Trust me, that's a longer answer than right now. But at the end of the day, I think I side with Neil Plantica and his unprofound, yet oh so profound, conclusion about the Christian life. And year after year, season after season, watching and walking with the followers of Jesus who find themselves on the other side, on this side of the transfiguration, Somewhere down from the mountaintop where disciples are formed, shaped, molded into the, Christ, into the life Christ calls us. I just look at you and give thanks. Thanks to God. Because it doesn't get any newer than that. Thanks be to God.